Hi, and welcome to Knowledge Counts, a podcast of the Canadian Institute of Quantity Surveyors. I'm Wendy Hobbs. Today we're speaking with Milan Nixick about non-technical skills, the so-called soft skills, and their importance in the construction industry. What can companies do in order to find the applicants with the best soft skills? So if you're looking for candidates with uh, equal technical skills, but want to see if they have stronger soft skills, I think the best way to look for is look at it is um, look at their social media first and see how they write in their social media. Maybe it's a start to understand maybe a baseline. Second, I, I think the best thing to do is do some sort of presentation. Let them choose from two or three subjects related to uh, communication or some form of subject they have to do a five or ten minute presentation to you, visual, written, uh, some written stuff on the screen, either PowerPoint or Prezi, and have them speak to it in the interview to see how they deliver something, how nervous they are, how well they can speak. Uh, in addition to that, you might even um, have them do some written responses in a secondary interview. Maybe first one's a verbal interview via the phone, get a feel of how they speak on the phone. If they pass that, then you do maybe some written response questions. Then when you do your face-to-face one, I think the best thing when you're looking at soft skills is not just do behavioral questions. Try to look at some technical skills and how they communicate technical skills. So if they answer a question, have them formally write it on a board, write it down in the meeting, and then try to explain it. You learn really quick if people have written skills, if you force them to write on a board, or it's interesting to see what their spelling's like and how they actually try to write it out. What do you think of those personality type questionnaires that some employers use when looking to hire a new person? I think the important part to look at is um, you can't have the same people in a company. It's proven that if you have all the same personalities, you have a tendency to have very similar solutions. So to have a a broader idea or broader um, view of problems, especially in construction, you need a variety of different personalities. And I always use the analogy, there's a lot of sports teams in the States, particularly uh, from a coach called Joe Gibbs. And Joe Gibbs, he, uh, he looks at color personality profiles and he'll put them on a board and, you know, red, blue, green, whatever the colors are. And he looks at the mix of a team and then he decides based on that what type of personality he's going to hire. Then he looks at the candidate and sees see if they fit. And what that is, he's trying to balance out maybe big thinkers with detail-orientated and then maybe a few really out there creative people that aren't really process-based but can offer some, you know, outside ideas that maybe no one else thought of. So I think I think that's very important to understand people work better together if they're challenged by other people. And I think the only way you can do that is knowing their personality. And it's hard to know them in 10-minute interviews. You really don't know until you hire them. So personality profiles really help a lot. What should candidates do to highlight their soft skills on their resume? So if you're a young person or even a person that maybe struggles with soft skills and you want to emphasize them in an interview, it's not on the interviewee, sorry, the interviewer to come up with those ideas. It's up to you. And I think one of the things I was giving some students advice or people advice the other day was get there early and start with small talk. And and small talk relaxes everybody because you have nerves and nerves are the worst thing for soft skills. Sometimes you might have good soft skills, especially spoken ones, and you get nervous and you have a tendency to mess up with your soft skills. So I think the best thing is get there early. Um, research the people that are interviewing you. Typically, most companies have our team 
and key players or key people in a company will be listed on websites, maybe look at it, understand it. Some of them have profiles. If you can get that information, maybe you can understand what kind of small talk you can talk about. And then when they start asking behavioral questions, everybody's so focused on the company and what should be the right answer. They're not specific enough on how they dealt with the problem in terms of soft skills. So not just say, I, I have this issue and I had a conflict at work and this is how I dealt with it. You can talk about maybe the processes, like you had to write three warnings and those warnings had to be written out and, and they had to be signed and I had to have the difficult conversation with the person and it was tense. So there's lots of ways to do stuff. So specifics when it comes to those would be great. Why are soft skills so important in construction? Everything we do, it doesn't matter how well we come up with a solution or how well we engineer something. You're not the person doing it, implementing it, or working on it. So it comes down to how do you explain how to do something? How do you explain a problem? How do you explain a solution? And if you don't get proper communication, you may believe they understand the solution and they don't execute it. They may do the opposite or completely different. It's like when you ask someone, can you repeat what I just said? And they'll repeat it back and it doesn't sound the same as the instructions you gave them. So it's really important as you, you don't really have proper communication unless they do exactly what you're saying and say it back to you, but you can't do that in every conversation. So I think technical is important. You have to have the right solution or the right design or the whatever you're doing. But if you can't communicate it, it's just not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. And then, and most problems in construction um, documented in the States and a lot of research is it starts out as a com miscommunication or a communication issue that grows like a pyramid starts at the bottom upside down and then becomes a huge problem from simple miscommunication. So if, if you think about that, it's not the technical issue. It's not the money. It's simply started as someone not understanding what you want done or how to do it. Meeling, can you give me an example from your career where soft skills solved a problem? We were working on a renovation project and it was an oddly shaped building so that the windows from left to right on the whole side of the building had to be site uh, installed and located on site because anywhere you, you put them on AutoCAD or on the software, it would always end up one window would look different. So I just said, this is enough on the phone. Let's go down to site and we'll put X's on the walls. It was funny that most people were very resistant to this because it's time, it was like half a day. And uh, so I brought all the people down as a window supplier and we marked them out and we realized everything we did on AutoCAD didn't work. The biggest issue is no matter how we did it, two windows would not be the same distance between them or the distance at the ends would be different. Three, three different dimensions, so in the end, we made the two, two end windows different than the middle ones and it looked fine, but until you see it on site and I communicated the issue, they didn't understand the issue. They would have got installed, they would have looked terrible when you drove by the building. What's interesting is the soft skill lesson on this is the person made me sign the wall and then he tore off the drywall paper and I dated it to confirm that if I wanted him installed like that, he was not liable if they looked bad. But I was confident because of the soft skills and because everybody was there that we all agreed and all I had to do was follow it up with a three-line email as per our site visit. I think that problem would have took 20 emails and never really got solved without soft skills on-site communication. Face-to-face -face communication is usually best, but when is it a good time to communicate with email? When is it important to communicate by email or follow up by email? 
is is a really tough question for me. I think one of the challenges I tell people is think of it as a limited character response first. So email should be 150 characters. If it takes more than 20 minutes to write the email, it's probably better just to pick up the phone and then follow up with a short email. Sometimes we can spend a half an hour trying to explain something in written on an email and then we send it and it still doesn't work and it leads to a long string of emails. So I think first you gotta understand what should be email and what shouldn't be email. If it's 150 characters or less, I would email that and it's without pictures, easy to explain. If it's any more than that, I would attach a letter and maybe some sort of drawing. That would be better. Um, but if it takes more than about 20 minutes to write the email, it's probably too difficult to convey it on email and requires maybe initial phone conversation. And people are scared to use the phone a little bit. They always refer back to email as the primary contact. And I think that comes back to the lack of soft skills and the lack of confidence in that communication soft skills, particularly verbal on the phone. People don't make as many phone calls, particularly newer generations or less experienced people. They use email. What has been the impact of social media when focusing on soft skills? So social media uh, has an impact on soft skills. Typically, most people communicate um, daily on the phone or some form face-to-face. So with social media, it takes away the personal uh, connection between people. Um, one of the challenges have is uh, you can't read people's emotions. So social media takes away uh, the ability to read the situation or interpret the person's intent when they're communicating. So a lot of people, uh, I call it uh, social media superman or superwoman, they say things they'd never say in person because they don't understand the impact or even understand what the person is asking and how to answer it in the appropriate tone and with the appropriate intent. And if it's negative, positive, response to conflict, defensive, you know, understanding the communication. And social media makes it almost awkward for people when they communicate outside of social media. How is social media affecting communications between the members on a project team? I think the biggest thing I see is not just in the English being very poor, uh, in, including the uh, grammar and spelling and use of short form stuff. But uh, I think the biggest thing is as you work on a project as a project manager, you have to develop a relationship with people. You have to learn about people. And the challenge you have with using email and using it incorrectly is it's uh, communication only works if the person understands what you're saying. So I think there's a loss of that understanding and then there's no personal communication or connection ever formed it's just very cursory some people will work via email for five years on different projects and never meet so they never really get to know someone so i think that lack of connection affects how you deal with problems and how you deal with solutions you can't um, make a personal connection or a professional connection that will allow you to maybe negotiate or um, navigate through a problem that might be difficult. They're all the same when you communicate just through email. They all seem the same tone. They all seem the same. So I don't think that development happens. How are soft skills important in writing technical documents? Soft skills are important in writing technical documents because most people who write technical documents understand the technical side but they don't always tell you what they want or what they're trying to convey. So I'll go back to one of my professors told me, everything should be written. Tell me what you're going to tell me. Tell me. Tell me what you told me. So those three are key things on everything you write. So what do you want? 
why, and what do you want again? So you think about an email. I need a change order for a project. This is why. Please send me the change order. So it's very clear what you want. If you don't have good written skills, both in technical on emails or even in a technical report, sometimes it's not clear to the people reading it what they what you want, what's required. In addition to that, there's all sorts of studies on how much we actually read, you know, seven pieces of information on a sign or whatever you research or read. So people get lost quickly if your writing is not concise and not clear, clearly defining what you need out of that person. So I always tell people, if you write it and it doesn't need to be there, then take it out. And if you look at most written technical proposals, some clients, if they're interested in money, will go right to the money section. If they're interested in time, they'll go right to the schedule. In that case, they go to the piece of information they're interested in because they don't want to read the 60 pages. So sometimes you may cut it down to 30 if you take the time to really look at what is required and what conveys technical information and what is just filler. How can we ensure we're communicating effectively with a wide diversity of people? In construction, you're communicating with so many diverse people in so many different industries and all over the world and different countries. I think the challenge with soft skills is most people should think about this first. Think about your audience. What that means is I always used to make a comment, there's two types of owners. Owners who want to see all the detail, their report written for them, 20 pages, that's what they want. And then there's one page people. They want all the information in one page. For example, on time, on budget, what's changed, what's the problems, what's the solutions. End it off, they can do it in 30 seconds or flat, and they go to what's important to them. So if you understand your audience and you have an owner that really taste of an owner has a very short amount of time to work on the project and just wants answers, that's a one-page owner. But if you send them a 20-page report, I guarantee that's going to cause conflict. And soft skills are not just about the communicating, it's about reading the communication required. And I think with diversity among people, particularly if you're going to work with a new group, is start face-to-face, get to know the people, and you start to learn what type of communication they prefer to the point Do they want all the details? And once you know that, then it's very easy with soft skills to tailor what you're giving them to what they need. And that's part, again, about face-to-face soft skills and reading people, which is probably almost more important than the communication. Because even if you read the person and you don't understand what they want and communicate it the way you think, it might be wrong. What do you look for when learning how to communicate with a client? So when I'm, when I'm looking at clients and trying to figure out what type of communication they prefer, particularly in what type, it's verbal or it's face-to-face or on the phone, it's hard to determine, you know, when you first put in a proposal or maybe when you first get a project to know that. So usually I look at the proposal and I, if it's an RFP, I look at the RFP and I look at what the way it's written. So I always make sure my response matches the RFP. But I also look on who they hired and... Sometimes who they hire has a lot to do with uh, maybe what they're lacking in skills and soft skills. Some owners that maybe lack technical skills will hire a very technical firm with really big reports. If I have that suspicion, usually at the initial meeting or an interview, I'll start to get a better feel on what they're looking for. And usually what it is is um, a lot of clients will cut to the chase in in an interview and right away, you know, like if, if they're asking a question, like the, the consultants are asking a question and the owner kind of cuts them off and says, hey, just what do you think? Give me a project you're on budget. Then instantly I know that person has no nonsense, get to the point. 
Now, if the owner's constantly chiming in and saying, explain more, explain more, explain more, then I know maybe they're one that needs more information. And again, it's about reading the situation. And then it doesn't always work in the initial meeting. It may take a few meetings for me to read it. So I might have to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And the owner might say after three meetings, hey, this is way too much information. But honestly, up front, uh, I think it's looking at the proposal and then looking at the first meeting to see what kind of communication they prefer. Going beyond communication, what other interpersonal skills are important when dealing with a diverse audience? Interpersonal skills and interacting with diverse people is a skill that is very hard to teach people. And it, it comes a lot from life experience. And the importance of it is very obvious when you meet someone who doesn't spend a lot of time, maybe most of their childhood and maybe teenage life, with a lot of people. So, for example, when I was hiring some people, one time young people, I looked at uh, their volunteer stuff. And there was, there was virtually a tie between three candidates. And then I noticed one of them was a scout leader for five years for kids under 10. And I thought to myself, if you have the interpersonal skills to deal with the diversity of young people and the lack of attention and the need for very concise communication, that to me meant more to me than the other candidates that had, you know, skiing on their thing and they had really good hobbies, but maybe not interpersonal skills that come from dealing with human beings. I think it's hard for people to take a course on interpersonal skills. It comes from experience, both life experience and work experience. But if you don't have it, you could never read the situation because I think you get so nervous and fixate on your shortcomings that a lot of people struggle and then they lack soft skills because of their nerves. If someone's looking to improve their soft skills, what would you recommend? So if you're trying to improve soft skills and most people have one or two or even three out of many soft skills like speaking, writing, uh, presentations, whatever the part you might be short on skills, I start off the buddy system. So if you struggle either because of, you know, nerves or maybe language is a challenge for you, being that your primary language may not be English or whatever, I think the best thing is have a buddy system. And what that means is if you bring someone with you um, and you struggle, you have someone to help you. And that help will help you develop as you watch them communicate maybe something you weren't as good at communicating. In addition to that, control where you communicate, particularly with, with meetings and verbal, if you struggle with verbal communication, is controlling the environment lowers your nerves. And, and if it's in your castle, it's your control. If you go to a consultant's office or an architect's office and you struggle maybe with verbal communication and meetings particularly, and you go to their, you're already in their backyard and it makes you nervous, you feel like you're not no control. As soon as you have no control, your skills get even worse. So that's one thing, controlling environment on top of, you know, bringing someone as well. Next thing is to join conversation clubs, join other places, socialization, particularly industry events, CIQS events, whatever industry you're in, go to those events, soft skill talk to people. Repeating yourself grows that confidence. And if less and less people ask you what, I didn't understand that, you realize you're getting better. Let's say someone has difficulty communicating with a diverse group of people. What can they do to improve that communication skill? If you're trying to develop interpersonal skills and you don't get a lot of opportunities at work or it's hard to understand where to get that, I think it, it comes back to what you do in your spare time. I think a lot of people can join clubs. I know there's always something you like. I know for me, it, it's joining a, a club for 
whatever I enjoy. And then when you get people with common values or common interests, you stop focusing on what you're doing wrong and you just start having fun and communicating. And that practice is in a social environment, which actually translates to a technical environment because again, it grows confidence. You're not thinking about what I'm saying. I'm just saying it now. And the difference is if you overthink anything and become hypersensitive, you're gonna get worse at the problem. So it's all about comfort. And I think in my personal life, I would always go and do things. If it's movie nights, conversation clubs again, or going and talking, you know, joining some sort of car club or dance club, whatever you want to develop those interpersonal skills. Let's talk about communicating by text. Texting has become vital in the construction industry. How can someone learn to clarify the intent of their texts? So a lot of people always talk about they use SMS or instant message or texting now in industry. And I think on a soft skills side, that's the most dangerous. A, it may not be documented very well in what you say. In a lot of cases, it, it can mix business and casual, and it can blur the lines of professional communication and professional boundaries. So I always tell people, if you're messaging something, it should be some case of directive or very important information or something brief, like, can you meet on Wednesday? Are you happy with this? But in terms of technical information, I'm very careful to tell people not to communicate that via text. Because if it gets to he said, she said, it becomes all about communication. And then you're going to deal with the dispute resolution or even a court case over he said, she said communication issues. So again, I personally would avoid it or professionally avoid it. If I am forced to do it because that's the preferred communication, make sure your company documents it. Either the server collects all the SMS information and keeps it so what would you say to someone who's still not convinced that soft skills are important? When you think about soft skills, soft skills are so important to a business because everything, particularly in contracting or even construction, is based on reputation. So everything you communicate is marketing. A sign, a email, a problem, a solution, a thank you letter, a written conversation, a presentation, a proposal, a interview is some form of marketing. Companies don't have to spend money on marketing. They should spend money on soft skills development. When people come across more professional in every form of soft skills, the company will have a reputation that is over and above other companies that don't focus on soft skills. People typically pick companies not just because of technical, they mostly pick them because of good experiences, good communications and positive outcomes. If you can't convey anything, it doesn't matter how good you are at technical skills, you will always fail in the marketing side, which is the way you convey information. Can you give me an example of a poor use of soft skills? In construction, you do a lot of responses, either to RFPs or to other types of requests. And the challenge you have as a person responding, and the biggest mistake is I've seen is when an owner or hire someone or put something out, there's a very specific way they ask the questions and they number them and they go through them. It's based on their request. And the number one mistake I see is I submitted a uh, response to a proposal and I followed their RFP numbering system, the order of the questions and the tone and the audience, everything exactly like their RFP. I was the only one apparently that did that. 
and they were confused on other people's answers. My answers followed their requests, so it was easy to get the answers. Just by writing the communication got me the interview. I was more expensive, had a longer duration, initial budget was more, and I got the project simply because they didn't have to get confused. So when they get to the interview, our first interview for the project, we didn't have to have a second one. They just said, is this what you want? This, is this the answer? And they knew exactly what they were paying for, even though they're paying more. So think about that. You get more because you communicated better. They just didn't want to be bothered to ask 25 questions to someone they should have got the answers from the response. Thanks to Milan Nixick for communicating with us so effectively about the importance of soft skills. For Knowledge Counts, I'm Wendy Hobbs.